Welcome to the third season of Between the Lines, the podcast that brings you interviews with some lesser-known Canadian authors and writers. In this season, we will be exploring some of the works of these unknown but talented poets from various locations across this great country. From the breathtaking landscapes of the far north to the bustling downtown city streets, these writers have captured the essence of Canada in their words. In each episode, we will delve into the lives and careers of these fascinating individuals, learning about their inspirations, challenges, and their triumphs. So join us as we discover the hidden gems of Canadian literature and uncover the stories between the lines. Hello and welcome to Between the Lines. On today's show, I will be speaking with the author of Bending the Light and Back into the Water, PEI's very own Patty Arsenault. Hello, Patty, and welcome to Between the Lines. Hi, Randy. Thank you for having me. You know, it's it's actually my pleasure uh, getting to know you a little bit before we started this. It's It's been fun already, so um, I'm looking forward to the rest of this interview. Um, and with that being said, before we get into the nitty gritty of the interview, I wonder if you'd be willing to give our listeners a brief uh, rundown on who Patty is and what she's about. Oh, that, that's the very first question is the hardest. Well, it's um, not a question. It's just introduce yourself to the people. So I don't have to. It's hard to identify myself. I've tried that my whole life because I'm an identical twin and we married brothers so oh it, we live in a small town and it's complicated. So I'm going to give you a little bit of advice, Randy. Next life, don't do that, okay? <laughs> <laughs> That's no, I mean, I, I, I love to write. Um, I've, I've worked in uh, lots of different uh, areas in, in, uh, in uh, banking and uh, admin and stuff like that, but then went off and took some courses in um, uh, Buddhism and Roman Catholicism and stuff like that. And, um, and then kind of went into trying to um, use uh, everything I had and every experience I had and my knowledge to try to, um, I guess, uh, bring, bring a little bit of light in the darkness. And um, sometimes you realize uh, you need to... Um, uh, you can go down the rabbit hole pretty quick. And I know that from experience myself, how quickly, but I, I never wanted to, I never wanted to be pointless. If we're going to suffer in this world, I always thought, or have joy, or have fun, or ex any experience, why not share them, right? And, and then the motivation changes, right? motivation mm -hmm. for um, sharing changes because maybe you know maybe somebody else might experience something similar and they could see oh uh, I understand that and I understand that that person may have had a similar experience and and that's true uh, for the good the bad and the ugly in life makes perfect sense to me we all experience pain but we all experience pain differently how we how we deal with that might help somebody else come to terms with the pain that they're feeling. Fair enough. 
very fair, Randy. I like that. Thank you. I'm smarter than I look. Oh, well, I don't know about that. I have a, actually have a t-shirt that on the front says, I'm smarter than I look. And on the back, it says, but I'm dumber than you think. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, normally, at this juncture, I would jump right into the question period portion of the show. But because we are highlighting uh, poets and their poetry, I think now would be a good time to jump right into a poem. Do you have one ready? Yes, I do. This is from my second book uh, called Back Into the Water, and it's called The Essence. So um, for me, um, I love language, and uh, I also love words. I guess every poet probably thinks that way, or I'm not sure, but I only know that that's my truth, and I don't like to think I own the monopoly on it, so. You probably um, don't. (laughs) Yeah, so I'm, uh, this is called The Essence, and it's kind of the way I see life, so the essence of life, all life, the essence. Layer upon layer, grain upon grain, memory and experience are not the same The world was her oyster, or the oyster was her world. Each precious grain becomes unfurled. Invasive grain, painful and irritant. Space and time sustain the vigilant. Windowpane oyster, translucent shell, protects you from the memory well. Layer upon layer, Grain upon grain, memory and experience are not the same. Shell or the oyster, where do you exist? The conscious self is known to resist. Retention and extraction, water flows through to cultivate a different point of view. Undergoing, enduring, memory is power. To use it within our darkest hour. Layer upon layer, grain upon grain. Memory and experience are not the same. Sense of self, weak, frail, and small. Undergo a destination or a fall, illusions and bubbles, mind, heart affected. What are the skills you have detected? Crescent moon cradled, the heart reveals a chance encounter to all it heals. Layer upon layer, pearl upon pearl. This is the entirety of our world. Hmm. Interesting. Subtle, subtle rhyming schemes. Nice. I like it. Thank you, Randy. Well, you're welcome. I'm just being honest. <laughs> um, what has, uh, obviously people have read this, uh, it's in a book, but um, those around you, I'm sure you've shared before it got published. And what was the, the general opinion or feeling about that particular poem? 
Did you get any feedback? I did. One comment was, it's like you said the truth. It's something we already knew, but you said it in such a way that it made me aware of the truth. Mm. And I liked that comment. I can see why. When you do get comments, be it positive like that or negative, does it generate any particular emotions within you or you just accept them all and go, oh, thank you. (laughs) There's a quote. I don't know what writer said it. It it makes me worthy of my suffering, I guess. I, I don't know. It's maybe it's arrogant or egotistical. I have no idea, but it somehow made me feel worthy of it no that's fair that's fair um well thank you for sharing that and we'll get to a couple more a little bit later uh we're going to go right into question period uh now and we'll start with well you know why don't we start with question one because it's a good place to start (laughs) Uh, when you write, do you stick to a certain subject or topic, for example, love, nature, death, or do you just write as it comes out? I liked your cho- choice of words there because you said whatever comes out. For me, it's whatever comes in. Okay. So when I, it's like, it's it's almost like something enters me and 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 then comes out it's like and i welcome it and i accept it even the dark things that i write which i generally don't share too much and it's like it's like opening a gate or a door with words and and sometimes and and like spoken word poetry i love that because it brings it to life mm-hmm. and i don't know why i feel that way but i do i really do and i really like that question because it's what, if for me, it's what comes, it's what enters and then what leaves. Yes. I, um, I used to say, I don't say it as much anymore, but I used to say that my poetic ideas come from things that I grab out of the ether. And if I don't grab it, somebody else is going to get it. So whatever I grab becomes mine leaving the rest for other people to, to gather in for themselves. So I guess it's kind of the same thing. So you're a gatherer. I am. I gather ideas, thoughts, you know, inspiration from outward sources. And, you know, I could be listening to a song and go, Oh, I like that. And then do something that rhymes the same to the same beat, but is a totally different, you know, message or, or what have you. I do it all the time. Hmm. Uh, it's just the way this silly old brain works, I guess. Um, who is your favorite poet? I thought that was a hard question too. That that was hard for me because it's how much attention I actually pay to a poet too, right? So Rumi um there's a translation by Coleman Barks it's uh, essential roomy um I've read it 12 times oh my and uh, so I know that 
he has to be one of my favorites if I spend that much time with Rumi, but I love Walt Whitman. I also, I liked little poems that show up in children's books. There was a, back in 1921, I think there was a lady named, I think she was from the United States, Aileen Fisher, and she wrote a poem, uh, How Brave a Ladybug Must Be, Each Drop of Rain As Big As She, what would you do if raindrops fell as big as you? Hmm. And some of that, for some reason, that sort of embodied everything I thought. Because for one thing, I love ladybugs. They're like just one of my favorite things. And 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 that simple little poem just was like, oh, I, a lot of days. I feel like I need to wear an umbrella, you know? <laughs> um, anyways. Well, if there's ever a raindrop the size of me, we're all in trouble. Long as you put a smiley face on it, Randy. Well, okay. I used to do security in an apartment complex. And in the, on the parking main parking level, they used to have what was called the trading post. And people would bring things down there that they're done with that maybe other people, you know, could use or want or whatever. And I actually came across a, a book that was now it's did it it said copyright i think inside 1900 but it was it was a robert louis stevenson poetry book oh yeah and i and i carried that around for many 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 that's going back to the early 90s is when i found it and i i recently uh gifted it to to a friend of mine who loves poetry um be, because i can't read it anymore right because it's just anyway uh, and and she's she cherishes it now, but um, yeah, you know, old old poetry. Um, you know, there's a lot of uh, music that incorporates old poetry. Um, you know, I'm probably going to give away my one of my music styles that I like, but the group Iron Maiden did uh, the rhyme of the ancient mariner uh, as a as a song, and of course that's a, like a five, six, seven, eight, nine page poem from I think 1700 or early 1800s or something around there. So I always like um, old poems put to music and there's a uh, Alan Parsons project. They, they do a lot of Edgar Allan Poe um, in their music. See, I would never have known that Randy, unless you shared that. Well, and you know, are you familiar with uh, war of the worlds? HG Wells. Yes. Okay. Yes, so that's, that's been made into numerous movies mm. and a tv series i think but it's also it was put into a musical a rock musical uh jeff lynn's war of the worlds and it has all kinds of different 70s progressive rock musicians and and it's uh narrated by richard burton and it's oh. just, it's the story as recorded in in voice it's really really good Nice. Yeah, things you learn, eh? I know. I'm loving this, Randy. Thank you. Um, third question. If you could put a number on it, how many poems would you say you've written over the years? I'd say hundreds, for sure. Hundreds. hundreds? I've been writing since I was a little a little kid. Aren't we yeah. all little kids inside though? 
Oh, I like to think so. I'm hoping. I'm banking on it, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm really hoping that because <laughs> I'm getting up there. <laughs> oh. Hundreds, hundreds. Yeah, hundreds, absolutely. And um, I, but I've only shared very few of them, uh, to be honest, um, because I think it's a very intimate thing to share, and it is very challenging because it's. Uh, and my poet, my pen to paper ladies would say, Patty, once you put that in, out there in the world, it no longer belongs to you. And I, um, I, I thought about that and. And even when I've had either book launch or I've, I've published in a couple of things as well, uh, you know, it's always very challenging. Oh, do I really want to do this? Do I really want the world to see this side of me? Or, you know, I'm, I'm very, it's not that I'm shy. It's just like, oh, whoa, there goes a part of me going at the door, <laughs> you know, so to speak. But, going yeah. along with that going along with that question then how many would you say you still have that you've written have you lost any have you you know by you know i don't know things happen right and you lose stuff you know i thought that like because i had written uh a few when when i was like okay so i'm just a young teenager sitting on the beach and um i wrote my very first poem and i and it was like the sea is my love. If I go in too deep, I'll drown. If I stay at its shores, it will always be with me. And that's kind of like my poems. They're always with me. They they don't, I, I can't say I lose them, but I can feel them leave me. Okay, that's fair enough. Um, I was thinking more along the line. So like I started writing poetry in grade nine. And, uh, you know, you're, back then it was in a notebook, right? You know, you write in a notebook. And I dropped out of high school five times and I never cleaned out my locker. So I've lost hundreds of poems. Uh, that way I've moved and uh, or I, I had some stored away and I came back and somebody had thrown them all out, thrown all my stuff out. Or So I've lost lots of poetry over the over the years. And uh-huh. yeah, I know it, it's sad. And. I don't even have the very first poem I ever wrote. I can only go back as far as 1986 for anything that I've written. I started writing in 79. So I I lost like seven years of poetry. Oh, do you think you will ever find them again? No, no, those, uh, those, those, those were written down, put in a notebook, left in my locker. The locker was cleaned out and they were probably incinerated or thrown out or something. Same with, all the other stuff. And that's okay. They serve their purpose to get me into the habit of writing, right? Yes. So I, I don't necessarily miss them because I don't remember them. I just know that I did write them. Um, write, write, write. When you can't write, write. And it'll come out. And eventually, you know, writer's block, state of mind, I don't know. You know, you just got to keep writing and just write something different or, you know, so and being visually impaired. And I mean, you know, one of my side things that I love to do is is create spices. Right. I blend spices. I create hot sauces. And so I, I draw from what I can do and put it into my poetry. Like th- there's a word for somebody who works in sauces. They're called a saucier. What do you call somebody who works with spices? Would that be a spicy A? 
but the spelling would be spicier, <laughs> you know, and I've got right. a poem, I've got a poem called I'm a saucy or a spicier. So, nice. you know, I just, I, I play with, with, with form and function and, and words. And, you know, this is, this is what I've come to be able to do is just, I can, I used to boast about being able to write about anything at any given time. And I've been challenged on it many times. And that's how a lot of my poetry has come to be. I've got 10 books. Wow. You know, I'm not saying anything's like super good or anything, but I've got 10 books. And so, you know, uh, like I said, 2015, by the end of that year, I had written 371 poems, eight songs or attempted lyrics. And I also, you know, have a couple of short stories, you know, all that time. So if you put, and I, but I have the time to do it because of my visual impairment, I don't work. So I have the time to sit down or not sit down. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. So anyway, enough about me, because this isn't about me. Uh, Can you share another poem with us? Absolutely. Okay, so this is, they're all the poems that I'm going to be sharing are from my... um, Second book. Oh, your second book, Back into the Water. So occasionally I will, um, if I want to know about something, I'll just contact the person and I'll say, Hey, can I interview you? I want to write something for my next book. Anyways, there was, um, uh, I had a lot of interest in, in falconry and it's like ancient, right? So, um, it's, it goes back. I love things that exist today that existed, you know, thousands of years ago. And, um, anyways, there was a gentleman uh, locally that was a falconer and I contacted him and I sat down and interviewed him and I got to meet Mr. G and Mr. G was his falcon. And, um, I thought about, because a falconer never trains a pet falcon. They're never a pet there are always a wild animal who has a relationship of trust with the human. And in that relationship of trust, like for the hunt or whatever, they um, develop a relation, like a, like a, a deeper relationship. It seemed to me anyways, um, even though um, it's very, um, I, I like the time. I think it's like 12 hours a day a falconer has to spend with one individual uh, bird. Wow. And um, it was just a, it, it was a fascinating um, interview. And then during the interview, I got to meet Mr. G and have him on my arm. Oh, and a uh, massive bird, the energy coming from that bird, you could not believe it. And they have like sight that's like a thousand times more significant than a human's sight. And uh, as you as a visually impaired person, you would understand that even way greater than I would. Mm-hmm. And, and their uh, perception of sound as well is, is highly intensified. So um, it's literally like they could see right through you. And so um, I wanted to write about 
the ancient art of falconry. Wonderful. And so that is the name of my poem. It's called The Ancient Art of Falconry. Listen with your heart, a bond nourished by trust. There are no secrets here. Mr. G was hooded. Blocking sight and muffling sound ensures his safety when introducing someone new. Large eyes see everything. There are no secrets here. For thousands of years, these hunters have paired. Trust and nourishment was the key to their flow. It is like gold to you and I, a king's gold. Mr. G reacts to the sight of the lure. Food for thought, pattern and repeat, time well spent. Patience is a king's discipline to prove no harm. Food for thought. Both are independent creatures, fear conquered, the enemy slain, the falconer's feather in his cap. Daily nurturing the removal of fear, responding to voice command. Find the pattern. When does Mr. G need to feed? Fullness. Disengage contact until it is required again. Growth and molting, trust sustained. Know the pattern. Positive reinforcement aids in success. Negative is failure. Mr. G was flying for the lure. The Alula feather was injured. Broken wings that never heal properly. Stand out, trembling, unknown risk on the quest. The falconer gathers molted out feathers and places four in my hand. There are no secrets here in the ancient art of feather mending. <laughs> Again, wow. <laughs> um, so in, in hearing that for me, um, I have a habit, if you will, of often wondering things like, I wonder who the first person was who discovered or thought about, you know, doing what is now common with falconry. Like who, who had the idea? I can train that bird to go and, and hunt or you know how, how do they get these thoughts and you just brought that question to me so i was like and then of course i think who was the first one to ever think that you know a pancake or or whatever the first i, I that's one of my big things is i like to do thank you <laughs> and too um because there's glasses on your face you know whoever thought that i can create something you know, and that will make people be able to see better. Well, you know? don't let the glasses fool you. They just magnify things that I can't see. 
That's an interesting conundrum in of, of itself. Uh, well, you know, I <laughs> uh, just like, okay, so I have, um, you know, the white cane for visually impaired and blind people. Yeah. And my, my favorite saying with regards to that is, is I'll ask a person, you know what this is for? It's to help other people see that I can't. Nice. Right. You could write a poem or did you write a poem? About oh, I've that? written many about it. Uh, I, I, it, the, and I don't mean this in a, in a, the way it's going to sound, but it's, it's really mind blowing how many people are ignorant to the whole blind and visually impaired world. I was at, at a function one day and somebody said, Oh, that's an interesting walking stick. I said, I'm blind. You are? <laughs> they had no idea what a white cane meant. And they were older than me and I'm like 58. And they had no idea what the white cane or what a white cane with a red tip means. Or um, so a, a solid white cane is they're blind. A white cane with a red tip means that they're visually impaired. And a, and a, uh, a cane that's white with a, it looks like a barber pole. That is yeah. for people who are visually impaired as well as hearing impaired. Oh, okay. But not a lot of people are, are, up on that knowledge and so I've, I've known the white cane I had no idea about the red now my son is uh hearing impaired uh he only he wears a hearing aid in one ear so um yeah so I I but I still I didn't know that about the canes I had no idea thank you for sharing oh you're welcome and I've, I've actually written an article for our local newspaper and you know just for for education because um, you know, the cane, my cane is 54 inches, which is almost six feet. And during COVID, if you were within my, my the reach of my cane, you were too close. <laughs> and when I'm walking across in the street, if a car comes too close to me, uh, within my cane reach, I gently tap their car saying, hey, you're too close. I take my safety very, very carefully. Nice. Um what or who is your muse? I thought about this because I looked up the word muse and I always think like that's like, you know, it's a male thinking about the female, you know, interaction and what inspires their paintings or their art or whatever. Right. Yeah. But in my first book, I like Akawa. She's the, the moon goddess and she descended into humanity as a water nymph because she was considered she who washes away pain. And um, so I liked, I like Akoa um, as a, uh, as a goddess, but as a muse, I love the female philosophers, Anayanin. Um, I love in, in nature, trees are extremely important to me. I have one particular tree um, that I speak to on a, on a, on a regular basis. And it's the oldest tree here on the island. And, um, it is, uh, uh, it's up in, uh, Malpec Bay. And it's a massive, massive tree. But, but over the years, it's had extreme amount of damage either through our hurricanes or, um, I've like lost massive branches, but yet it just keeps making more like if you were to see that tree now and it's lost some of its major branches but the the trunk of the tree has now like 
thousands of little tiny branches coming out of it. And like it, it just keeps producing and producing and producing. Like a lot of trees that you see like have damaged, you know, they have long trunks and long branches, but out of the branches, they produce more and more and more branches. I've never seen that in a tree. And it's kind of split right down the middle. And it's almost like you could go into the center of the tree and just sleep in there. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's the most massive tree. And it's, it, it has this one side of the tree, the way it formed looks like a human face. Oh. And, um, I wrote in my first book about uh, the old man in the tree because I'll, uh, I, I speak about him and uh, I, I don't know why I think it's a him, but I, I mean, it, it, to me, it's, it's like this ancient tree exists and, and it's seen way more than I've ever seen in life. And I, I love to connect that way with nature. I love ladybugs and butterflies. They're my muses in nature. Um, my first book had blue butterflies and their wings are iridescent. So do you know what, it, like they bend, that's why I call my first book Bend the Light because they bend the light. Literally, that's how we uh, see them as uh, blue. Mm. And uh, do you still see color at all, no, Randy? No, I don't see color. You don't see color. Okay. No, and no detail. So basically, my left eye is totally blind. And in mm-hmm. my right eye, 25% of the retina is still attached right in the middle. So I've got no peripheral vision. And I don't see color because for the most part, um, well, the best way to describe it is like I've got permanent glaucoma, but I don't. It's just I see everything in a haze or a fog. Okay. So I'm looking at you on the camera here and I can just see your outline with a little bit of your chair in behind you. That's all I can see. Thank you for sharing that, Randy. Ah, I've got no problem sharing that. (laughs) And you know, it's, um, but I don't let this define me because I don't let it tell me what I can and can't do. So uh, my first book is called Blind Ambitions, but it took me going blind to become ambitious again about publishing because that's a 40 year old dream and so like like i said 1979 is when my teacher said you should get published and then it was 2013 when i published my first book so it took me going blind and in 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 my visual impairment uh after my visual impairment is when i started blending spices and creating hot sauces so And creating this podcast, which allows us up-and-coming writers to have a voice. And I really appreciate that, Randy. You have no idea. Like, trust me, I grew up, I'm not my old doll. So I grew up here on PEI. And uh, it, like, I never, we we only ever had, um, getting off Prince Edward Island, we could only ever get off unless we took a ferry boat. So most of my life I spent um, here on PEI, unless, you know, occasionally, um, and back in the day, your folks didn't have that much money. You weren't getting off the island a lot. But I never experienced the world. Uh, I experienced my island was my world. And now it's like the entire world has come here. 
all different cultures and religions and and uh, peoples from every walk of life. And it's almost like, it's the most magical experience because I've always wanted to travel the world. And I've, I've been fortunate enough and later in life to be able to experience, um, you know, traveling uh, in a few places, not, 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 not a lot, but I've gone to Ireland, which I have a few things in my book about uh, my interactions with uh, Ireland and it's very mystical properties, but now I'm jealous. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I just loved Ireland. I, I can't even tell you uh, how much I enjoyed my experience there, but um, yeah, I, I, I can't tell you how much um, it feels to um, have the world suddenly come to you in, in, in your space that you occupy on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, it's like, it, it's not, it doesn't feel like cultural overload or anything like that. It feels like magic, like everything connects and you see the dots connecting. You go, oh, I didn't know that, but now I know that. And it's like connecting with you, Randy. I would never know those things, right? I would never know those things unless I connected with you. Mm-hmm. And and it helps to identify ourselves. Connecting yep. with others helps to identify ourselves. And the more I know others, the more I know myself and and the role that I might play in in my existence basically and and my interactions with others. But but the sharing to me, like for since the beginning of time, I mean I mean different uh, cultures and peoples and everything like that, the ability to share was a boundary. You know what I mean? There was a line. Mm-hmm. This is my territory. This is your territory. And um, so that ability to share, and it's, I'm sure in, in a lot of ways, given what's going on in the world, it still exists. There are still boundaries. But for me, um, it's like, a spiritual boundary of, okay, you need to know enough about me and so that you don't cause me harm. Right. And I, 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 and I, or you, it's like you have the ability to know enough about another person so that you may be able to share joy with them. And um, it's like, to me, to be able to experience that on such a level uh, in, in such a small area as, as our little island here and, and to be able to, it's like a microcosm of, of uh, interaction and sharing. And I can tell you it's been challenging, but it has been completely and utterly enriching. What opened up your little world to the world then was it confederation bridge or technology or you you just opened your eyes one day and went there is more than my island yes um honestly it was the ability and bridges are like that i think that bridges and thoughts thoughts it's like what does a bridge do in the physical world it connects us with either the rest of our country 
or the rest of the world or, you know, so um, I think, and, and on, on a spiritual level, I think uh, I'd have to say it was the bridge. It bridged the gap between me and you. And how old, how old is the Confederation Bridge now? I think it's 27, 26 years old, 25 years old. I think they might have had a quarter century okay. uh, anniversary or something there recently. Um, sorry, I'm not the best at that, even though I live here. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, um, gosh. <laughs> um, but yeah, you caught me there, Andy. Um, and there, but, there yeah. were a few lives lost in the building of that bridge as well, were, were there not? Um, uh, you know, honestly, I don't know, Randy. I'm not sure. I live out here in Alberta, and I know this, and you live there where it is. Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. <laughs> well, the bridge off gave you the opportunity to go beyond your little world, so. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. That's wonderful. I, this isn't a, a pop quiz, so don't worry about it. <laughs> um, well, thank you for sharing all that. That's uh, very insightful. What is the hardest part of writing a poem for you? Okay, I wanted to be very specific here. Um, so I wrote it down and I um, just, it's, it's very simple. It's just to speak and bear my truth, and with it, its consequence. That's it? That's it. Plain and simple. Plain and simple. And I think, you know, for for other poets and other writers, it's probably the same thing, but it looks different to each and every author. Um, do you have an example of a poem that was hard for you to write that you can share? Oh, gosh. Um, is this my third poem then? Because We're not uh, concerned third. about numbers of poetry. Just um, uh, this is your time and we're making good use of it. I guess I, okay. So this is my third poem, but it is also about the darkest recesses of my mind. You know what? I have a poem called the darkest recess, the dark recesses of my mind. So that's funny. Oh, nice. <laughs> Look at you go, Randy. <laughs> um, see, we're just, we're kind of the same. Okay. So I love science and physics and um, I actually um, talk to um I'll just call, randomly call up the university and say, hey, can I talk to your physics or your astronomy or whatever and a department and if I'm doing research for a poem. And um, I'm also in one of the darkest places you can ever be in, in life. <laughs> and uh, I'm literally, because I'm an older woman, I thought, okay, I've seen everything. Um, you know, and I, I got to be at the point where, okay, that will just slide off me. But this did not slide. And it stayed so deep within my soul that I uh, literally could find no way out. And I thought I was in a black hole. And um, so I contacted um, the, uh, I'm like, how am I ever going to get my way out of this abyss, right? And um, and I so I contacted the astronomy and there's a, a, a uh, prof professor there, um, a medical physicist, and 
and he had um, talked, was so kind and generous enough to share his time with me and explain to me about black holes and stuff. And so I was able to write this whole, this whole poem, which is called literally Black Holes. So I'm going to share this. And oh gosh, I, I hate to, to make all my poems kind of uh, deep and, and uh, but um, this, this one is, do you think oh, you can oh, control what the poem is supposed to be? You can't. It comes out the way it's meant to come out. Okay. All right. Then I hope you enjoy it, Randy. Black holes. Query. Do black holes really exist? Is it possible for a star to collapse upon itself? They say that no light can escape a black hole but light can penetrate. Query, what would happen if two black holes began to merge and become one, a force of gravitational attraction so great and so powerful that the energy emitted is more than all the energy of all the light from all the stars in the universe put together? Can you imagine what would happen if light could escape this supermassive black hole? Is this truth? Query, what are human wounds? Is it possible for a wound to collapse upon itself? Is a human wound healed by a scar? Does the wound remain underneath the scar? Seen or unseen, the wound exists. Covered up? Hidden? How then can light ever escape our wounds if they are covered up? What if light were to penetrate through the scar? Query, what would happen if two human wounds merged? A force of wounded attraction so great and so powerful that it is more than all the strength of all the human wounds in the universe put together. What if light were to penetrate this wound? What if we did not cover up the wound, left it open for light to enter? connected it to all other wounds, and then they merged. Can you imagine what would happen if light could escape this supermassive binary wound? Is it possible to even fathom the power of this Light is this truth. So that is kind of deep. <laughs> uh, just, just kind of, you know, a little deep. Uh, a thought that I once had uh, was with a, with regards to black holes, uh, negative energy, right? They, yes. They, okay. But like magnets, you know, when you get two negatives, they repel each other. So would two black holes, would they repel each other or would one consume the other? 
I guess that's left up to the scientists to understand, eh? Mm-hmm. I don't Mm-hmm. So you uh you you said something earlier that kind of got me thinking and that you said you called the university and talked to this department or this department to do research for a poem. I've never heard of that before. Any of the people that I've talked to have never said they've researched to write a poem and stuff like that. So that's very interesting. I I like to know more about the word than what I actually physically know, just through my own experience. And you can do as much research as you want on the internet, but it's really good to go to somebody who is actually the experiential knowledge of those things. So do you that experiential knowledge is so insightful. Do you think that has something to do with the fact that you've been locked away on PEI for so many years, not connected to much? And then the internet and then the bridge comes and the whole world is open to you and you want to know more. I do, but I don't. And in some ways, I, because I know what goes on in the world, I mm-hmm. feel like oh, I protect myself. But my friend wants me to read this book called The Fearless Heart. And, oh, gosh, I can't remember the author because he just told me this in, in, a, in a class here recently. And I was like, oh, I really need to re- I really need to re- read that because I can go down the rabbit hole pretty quick. And uh, we all can. We all can. Yeah, you know, it's, uh, yeah. So um, my seventh book is actually called "From Somewhere Deep Within," and the, the uh, I, I pretty much designed every one of my book covers, um, and the 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 cover for that book is a picture a photograph that I took when I was in the Dominican Republic um, back in 2015. So yeah, I was still visually impaired, but it's a a set of stairs that are carved into the side of a hill um, out of rock. And, you know, they're varying sizes and lengths and widths and stuff like that, but it's, it's all surrounded by grass and shrubbery. And it, you know, there's a good 50 steps that come down from one level down to uh, the base where a waterfall drops into a little pool. And the, the stairs are the actual, um, the focus of the cover. And then um, I tried to imprint the title into the stairs to make it look like they were carved into the stairs, but it's called from somewhere deep within. And to me, it's like, you know, deep within us is there's a whole bunch of mysteries and you know insights and things that we've learned and and that's where i drew the inspiration for that where do you get inspirations for your poem titles or your 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 titles for your books well um i had i i like because i went through such a challenging period later uh lately and i just thought okay so how And I was speaking to my uh, husband at the supper table and I said, you know, I really need to get back into the water. And he said, there's the title of your new book. But also, (laughs) I also, um, I was at a class. It's because those words seem to go together, right? And then I was at a class and um, somebody had said, you know, uh, there were some swimmers in, in in, in the class and they said, you know, 
it's really challenging. And they asked one of the students that was a swimmer to get back into the water because the first time you get into the water, it's like you kind of just wade and it's so cold and feels like every portion of your body is in pain, riveting, and then you just die and then you just go in. And then once you're in there and you're swimming around and stuff, it, it's, but it's just the, the initial of getting it the attempt to get back into the water. And he said that in class too. And I was like, okay, that is going to be the title. But then to come up, like the first cover of my book was, uh, on my first book uh, was very, um, I, I kind of knew right away what I was going to use because one of my friends is an artist and she's oh, such a lovely painter. And she was doing uh, faces of PEI. And she asked me, if she put a post out there, anybody who was interested or whatever, and and I had said, uh, I would love to be, um, do that. But, and so when we, when she interviewed me for doing the painting portrait of me, I was like, don't paint me perfect. I want my birthmark, my huge birthmark that's on my forehead. I want that to be visual. I want, I want you to not paint me as you visually see me, but the energy between so, Randy, do you know what double stars are? Double stars? Give me your definition. Okay. So, in astronomy or uh, in science or whatever, double stars exist in the universe side by side. You would think, without burning each other out, they literally, they're right beside each other. But all this power and all this energy in one star and right beside it, all this power and all this energy in another star, and they're right beside each other. Why don't they burn each other out? So I asked this guy who teaches astronomy uh, here locally, um, why? And he said, they don't burn each other out primarily because of the energy between. It's like they feed off of each other, right? So I thought that's fascinating, right? And when I was talking to um, the artist, I said, I want you to paint the energy between. I want you to paint what you feel when you connect to me. So she painted that. And I, of course, I, um, because I love Ladybug, she, <laughs> she has the visual image of me um, with a little, little tiny, delicate little ladybug in my fingers. And then in the background, in a mirror, she has all these dark, dark colors with two double stars as the backdrop. And I thought, wow, how did, like, this is just for me speaking to her. She came up with all these things, right? And I was like, how did she do that? Like, it's just incredible how an artist can interpret words, right? And I was like, wow. It's like she visually depicted what I said, and mm -hmm. I was just fascinated. So I used that for the cover for my first book. But then the second book, I thought, how am I ever going to come up with a cover? Because the first one, everybody just, <laughs> to me, everybody just wanted it for the cover, right? Because it was uh, such a, she did such a good job. And it wasn't that it was made me look perfect or anything like that, because it certainly didn't. But it, 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 it depicted me in a, in a light that I liked. To, mm -hmm. um, it helped to heal me in some ways, right? Yeah. I thought, oh, is that the way she actually sees me? And, and I thought, well, that's the way I see her. And I, I, I thought, 
Um, anyways, um, and the way that she put the light on my face. And so like, I just thought, oh, how am I going to do this? So I was just rifling through some old, like my great, great grandparents, they uh, lived in Nova Scotia and um, they had old photo albums. And my great grandfather, he actually owned uh, shares in the Oak Island Treasure dated back in 1892, which my folks still have the copy of, and I got to bring it out to the Oak Island Treasure guys. But anyways, he, they kept everything and they have the most important memorabilia. But my folks said, do you want these old photo albums and old postcard albums and stuff like that, that my great grandparents had? And I said, yes, of course. And anyway, so I, I always go through it because there's old newspaper clippings from the early 1900s in it and, and uh, just uh, some extremely visually stimulating uh, photos of the past. And, and I like that about words even, like, is that a reason? Is that the reason why words existed in the past? And is that the reason that they created them? They wanted to send a message to the future so that we as a species don't ever do something again or do something again. And there is the mystery on life. And I can tell you, because what is lies in between the past and the present obviously must connect. And it has to connect, not just by the remnants, because archaeologists, you know, that's what their jobs are. We unearth these things all the time, the remnants of our past, but the words are the remnants of our past. But in this book, this photo, old postcard and whatever, there was a picture of my great-grandparents as young couple on a sailboat. And my great-grandmother, it's not a huge sailboat, but a very old sailboat. And my great-grandmother at the front of the ship and my great grandfather at the stern, the, the back of the ship. And I thought that. So I asked my husband, who's tech savvy and everything, I said, Can you make this boat? Can you bring it back to life visually? <laughs> and and he said yes. So he was able to do that because it was it was deteriorating, obviously, through time, right? Right. And um Anyway, so he was able to do that, and um, I sent it off to my graphics design artist, Maggie Lillo, who was brilliant, and she brought the whole thing to light and um, was able to do the cover, and it was perfect, and that's how I like to see, that's how the past was able to send me a message to the future. Hey, Patty, guess what? 100 years in the future you're going to use a picture of us on the cover of your book. And I want to thank the past for sharing that with me. Pretty cool. In my writing group on Facebook, uh, Canadian creative writers, I, I, now I put out what, uh, what I call the obscure word of the day. So words in the English language that are not commonly used, but still exist. But prior to that, I used to put out what was called, they were um, dead words. So words that are no longer in the English dictionary, but existed at one point. And just to, you know, hey, this is what how people used to talk. 
And I used to challenge, well, I challenged myself, but I would challenge people in my group to, you know, create something, a poem or a story or something using this particular word. Uh, and so one of my, one of the words that came up was odoriferous. And, uh, I'm, I'm stor- sorry for jumping in here, but could you spell that for me? O D O R I F E R O U S. Odoriferous. Wow. That's so I wrote a poem. I'm so excited to hear. <laughs> Uh, and I wrote a poem called Odoriferous Bliss. So it was, it was basically about all the smells that I like that bring me to that, ah, you know, and it's, it's in one of my books, but, um, uh, and I, I would challenge people to, to do that. And they're, well, these are dead words. Well, you know, why would I do that? Because it's fun <laughs> and it challenges yeah, us. I'm delighted that you shared. So please, you have to share what the word means. Well, it's just, uh, it's just something that is pleasant to smell. Okay. Look, you're an abundance of wonderful golden nuggets for me, my friend. I'm loving this. When you you. have the time, it's, you know, this is what I do. Hmm. Next question. (laughs) Is poetry dying or do you think there is still enough interest in in poetry to keep writing it? Okay, I thought about this one and I thought, okay, for me, given my age, which I'm never sharing, by the way, um, uh, um, it it still exists. Okay, so if it exists within me and so long as it exists, it will still exist, so to say. But I suspect that's for all poets. And I, 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 I like to think that poetry is like a truth language, like maybe it's got a hidden meaning or something like that. But people, it, it's, it's like, um, uh, like I, don't, I don't know. It's like every time I hear a poem at, or a spoken word poetry or, or read something, a poem in a book or or, or something like that, I, I go, wow, if I hadn't have experienced that poem, I would have never known that. And, and as long as, I think as long as, as that still exists in humanity, and I really think it, the, that, you know, the spoken word poetry is where, and that creativity of that has a, a um, unshakable, presence on the planet that i don't think is going away anytime too soon okay fair enough agree or disagree with the following statement as long as there's music there will always be poetry are you there yes i'm oh you're thinking (laughs) oh my gosh because i i can't because i mean like i love music um uh, music is basically poetry set to music right Yes, I do believe that. Even with the, you know, the the classical music and the the the, the, the hard rock and the everything, uh, you know. Um, yes, I would have to agree with that. Um, yeah, I would have to as long as there's. But the reverse would be true. 
as long as there's poetry, there's also music. Would that be true? Can, but okay, would that be true? Okay, what came first? There we go. There's the rub. <laughs> no, but honestly, do, I, I don't know. What did come first? Patty, it sounds like I just gave you some research. Honestly, I don't know the answer to that. Did music come first? Did poetry come first? Language has existed since, but, but like, I don't know. <laughs> I, oh my God, that is an interesting question. Isn't You're it? welcome. <laughs> Thank you, Randy. But Thanks. where I really, where I was going with that, that particular question was poetry, uh, let's say during the height of the Renaissance, poetry was very popular. And then it fell out of popularity. And then, you know, it, it seems like it, it's up and down, up and down. And uh, are we in, at such a stage right now with society and culture the way it is that poetry has is on the verge of dying? Or do you think that there's a resurgence of it? I believe there's a resurgence. There's a, and a, and an awareness now that is... I don't know. It's it's infectious, and I don't like to use that word because that can sound negative. But it is. It is. I well, and maybe I'm only speaking from my personal perspective, right? Mm-hmm. Um, as a poet, and uh, but how about with you, Randy? Within my world, so family and friends, most of them say, "Oh, I I I don't read poetry. I, I don't get into poetry." But if you write it, I will buy your book. And then I, I write the book, I publish it, and they say, hey, can you send me an autographed copy for free? <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's a struggling artist syndrome, right? But uh, oh, I don't find it. a lot of people, uh, within my circles anyway, who, who openly admit to reading poetry or as poetry being one of their favorite styles of writing, but you do an Amazon search. And I mean, there's oodles and oodles of poetry books, right. And articles and magazines. I mean, obviously there's a market for it, but right now I don't think it's at its, at its peak, but I think it is resurging. Uh, and I think that was brought on by the pandemic actually, because a lot of people were, were at home wondering, what am I going to do? I've got all this angst. Oh, let's write about it. And there were new poets. Hmm. (laughs) Fair enough. Next question. Uh, Who do you write for? Um, I I thought about this and I thought, okay, I have to be, um, I have to be a little self-centered with this because I do, I write for my, myself. But then I thought, well, I, I don't just write for my, self I what kind of self am I talking about my past self my present self my future self and then I thought and then and to all who entered the doorway through this portal my sci-fi friend (laughs) (laughs) because I like to think about that Um, it's like boldly going where no one has gone before Star Trek I'm right there with you I'm a Trekkie Oh, I so love Star Trek. Everything is Star Trek. I met William uh, Shatner once. Get out! I That's did. my first life ambition. How is it? How was he? Oh, he was fantastic. You know, he's he's got a bad reputation as being arrogant and whatnot. 
but oh, I happened wow. to I happened to run into him on a movie set in downtown Vancouver one day by himself. And uh, so, yeah, I, I got to spend 20 minutes talking to him about life, not about movies, not about just life. And it was a wonderful experience. Oh, my gosh. You're the, like the luckiest person. If I, yeah, that is definitely on my to-do list. Well, you I better thought. get to do it pretty quick because he's in his 90s. I know. I know. That's true. Um, so you only had seven questions that I was going to ask you that you got to pick. But there's always the mysterious eighth question that nobody knows what I'm going to ask. Okay. So here's your question. What would you like to say to the person who set you upon your poetry writing journey? Thank you. And who was it? Um, <laughs> I got to put it to paper and to print it. Um, it was a group of friends that I met. I went to a multicultural festival and there were a bunch of, uh, a group of Buddhist monks there. And, um, it was like, I, I can't explain the experience, but, and I learned so much from them. I consider them, uh, kind of friends I would like to keep for the rest of my life. You know, and maybe because Buddhism, uh, I guess, uh, they believe in past lives. I would like to, for many lifetimes, be able to experience that type of friendship. And um, I think in some ways, I owe my courage from the sh- what they shared with me. So um, my ability to be able to see past my fears and to be able to share, even when it is, the consequences are challenging. And so far, I've been, uh, I shouldn't say blessed, because I don't think, whenever I hear that word, I think, well, then you're saying that that, I, I have to say I'm extremely grateful. And just like, I'm so grateful that an individual such as yourself, Randy, opened up the door for all of us challenged, struggling writers to have a voice in the world. There is a person out there whose name is Randy, and I have been most honored to share this time with you. Thank you so much. Oh, that's kind of you to say, but it, like I said, it's my pleasure. And if you have any way of connecting with those Buddhists that pushed you in that direction, uh, make sure that they get a chance to listen to this. So let them know. <laughs> I will do that. Can I end, Randy, with a very, very short poem? But it's kind of how I ended the book. Um, well, I was going to give you another opportunity after this next segment. but Oh, if, okay. Um, sure. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. So this next segment is actually called Shameless Plugging, uh, which is part of the parcel of the reason why I bring everybody onto the show. So question number one is what books do you uh, what books do you currently have available on the market and where can people find them? 
Okay, so uh, both my books, uh, Bending the Light, A Journey into My Soul, uh, is on Amazon, and Back into the Water is also on Amazon. Uh, Kohl's Bookstores, Indigo, um, there's Barnes and Noble. Um, honestly, I'm not sure all the sites that have them, but for sure, Amazon. Okay, now within Amazon, do you have an author page? No. I don't even know what that is. I'm so new at this. I'm such a newbie. Okay, um, so you, know <laughs> you, you can actually create an author page that's central to you where all your books are listed and any contact information and whatnot is also listed there. What information you put on the author page is what you want people to know. Oh, nice. So, so look sure. into it and it's part of your KDP um, process. So a lot of people a lot of people don't know the whole process, only parts of it. (laughs) Are you currently working on anything? And if so, how close are you to completing it? I am just beginning a new project um, that has to do with erosion. So um, I have, I'm just in the beginnings of it and um, yeah, it's, uh, I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm sure uh, whatever happens will uh, uh, find its way <laughs> to me, hopefully in the, in the, in the near future so I can uh, uh, get busy, but yeah. And then I'll, I'm going to have my pen to paper, uh, Christmas party with the ladies at a, a little bed and breakfast here locally. And uh, we have to each come up with a new Christmas poem. So, um, so I have to, I'm working on that right now and that will be fun as well. And it can, it has to be fun and silly and, and we just completely throw caution to the wind. And uh, I love that about the ladies. Wonderful. Uh, next question. And uh, don't, don't get mad at me. If if you had to choose one of your books or poems as a favorite, which one would it be? I know it's like asking you what's your favorite child, right? (laughs) That is extremely challenging. Um, I'd have to say Nunchucks. And that's a poem? That's a poem. It's in my first book. Um, It's and but I visually uh, do the poem, and you said you put a stair a staircase on the cover. It I did the poem like a staircase going up and going down. Okay. And, uh, so I, you play I like with that. you play with form in your in your writing as well, then. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So I like nunchucks. Yeah, nunchucks is uh, because the thing about nunchucks is, um, it's uh, it can be read start to finish and then finish to start and each way you read it has different meaning interesting uh where can people connect with you for example facebook email snail mail tiktok instagram linkedin i the list can go on so but where can people connect with you Honestly, I have a YouTube station, but I just like it might be it might have been there for a little while, but I really don't do anything on it. 
it's Patty with an I from PEI. And I have a, um, a Facebook, just my regular Facebook page. And honestly, I'm not like my, my kids who have over a thousand friends on Facebook. I really don't have all that many. Um, but I know, uh, like, yeah. I will find you and add you. Yes, thank you, Randy. Thank you. So yeah. as, uh, as I was saying, any other place or that's basically it? That's basically it. Basically okay. It. Yeah. They, they will all be transcribed into, uh, all these locations will be transcribed into in, in, later on. So um, now can you share your favorite poem with us? Okay. Do you know what or I'm one of your or, or one of your choice, yes. Do you know what a nunchuck is? Is that a question to me? Yeah, that's to you. Oh, uh, yeah, I used to, I used to, yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, it's a weapon, right? Uh, Yes. Do you know who Bruce Lee is? Yes, I do. I've seen every Bruce Lee movie that ever existed since the beginning of time. And my dad would literally take me to his movies at the movie theater. That's how old I am. And, and I was just a little kid and I would still go. Like, All right. So you mentioned YouTube. So go to YouTube, type in Bruce Lee nunchucks pinball, uh, uh, ping pong. And there is a video of him playing ping pong against two people using his nunchucks as a, as a paddle. That is hilarious. <laughs> True story. Yeah. So okay, nunchucks. I'll read it uh, first, uh, start to finish, and then finish to start. So I'll pause when I come to the finish, and then I'll read it the other way. Okay. Nunchucks, origin, non-weapon, two sticks linked by a chain to thresh and separate a grain from the plant, evolving for night watch. To warn of threats, evolved, weapon, wielded in one hand, but can be paired to none with blunt force to immobilize or disarm with increased speed and coordination, evolution of words, weaponized, information, skillfully crafted, exploiting the vulnerable through thought, effecting perceptions, social engineering, wielded in one hand, paired to target, cognitively hacking, illegally possessing the mind, threshing the recipient, promoting the attacker, use visual tool, atomos, cognitive security, non-weapon to serve, Unborn, wholeness, evolution, words, advantageous association, rebellion, rebellious peasants, romantic notion, variation of a two-section staff, wrapping chain of etymos around words, a deed done, action in opposition to disarm the opponent and immobilize in freestyle display, quarantine, shield, the mind. 
now from finish to start. The mind, quarantine, shield, in freestyle display and immobilize the opponent in opposition to disarm, action, a deed done around words, wrapping chain of etymos, variation of a two-section staff, romantic notion, rebellious peasants, advantageous association, words, evolution, unborn wholeness to serve, non-weapon, cognitive security, etymos, use visual tool, promoting the attacker, threshing the recipient, the mind illegally possessing, cognitively hacking, paired to target, wielded in one hand, social engineering, affecting perceptions through thought, the vulnerable, exploiting, skillfully crafted information, weaponized evolution of words and coordination with increased speed to immobilize or disarm with blunt force to none, but can be paired, wielded in one hand, weapon evolved to warn of threats for night watch, evolving from the plant, a grain, to thresh and separate, two sticks linked by a chain, non-weapon origin. I see what you did there, sneaky. (laughs) Thank you, Andy. Thank you, thank you, thank you. (laughs) Again, I'm smarter than I look, but dumber than you think. (laughs) um no that's that's brilliant um yeah i I love when people play like that with words in closing uh patty what would you tell anyone who might be too afraid to take the chance on being published okay So I have a two answer to that. For one thing, I want to say to whoever is a writer, follow your heart. Follow your heart more than anything. And it's the only thing that has ever, I, 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 I can't even explain or express to anybody. It's the heart. Okay. So my last little tiny little poem is called Love. And it says, make it a life, make it your strife, make it your choice, make it your voice, make it your heart, make it your part of every minute that you are in it. Make it what you are, mark it on a star, send it out into the universe and watch it disperse. I love you. Thank you. Wonderful. That's a, a good way to end uh, uh, an interview. <laughs> wow. Patty, thank you so much for agreeing to be a part of this um, interview and, and part of Between the Lines. And thank you for allowing me to be, give you the opportunity to present yourself in such a way and, um, and, and your poetry to those who may eventually listen. Uh, So thank you. It, It means a lot to me. Namaste.
my friends. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Between the Lines. We hope you enjoyed our discussion and were inspired to either start writing or to keep on writing. If you have any comments, questions, or suggestions for future episodes or guests, you can reach out to us by sending an email to randy.btlpodcast at gmail.com. Use comment or suggestion in the subject line. For a copy of the transcript of this or any other episode, just send us an email using transcript as the subject line and indicate which season and episode you would like a transcript for. Visit my website, therandylacy.ca, where you can purchase one of my books, read my blog, and yes, even hear every episode of this podcast. If you have enjoyed what you've heard and would like to hear more, click the Buy Me a Coffee button at the top right corner of the page to help cover the costs associated with keeping this show available to you. If you're ever feeling overwhelmed by the many lines in your life, take a deep breath and remember the wise words of Winnie the Pooh. Sometimes the smallest things take up the most room in your heart. Until next time, keep on keeping Between the Lines.